So the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes uh, in Matthew's Gospel. We're not going to do that today. We'll take a little break from that today. Um, uh, interspersed throughout this year, I want us to just consider from time to time why we do what we do. So um, why do we pray when we, get to, when, um, the, when we get together, I'm talking about? Why do we sing songs when we get together? Why do we take communion when we get together? Why do we eat when we get together? And today I'm just going to ask the question, why do we gather? in the first place. Why do we get together? Um, and just sort of, yeah, try and unpack that a little bit. Um, I, th- I thought I had a, a, a direction for this, and then I felt that the Holy Spirit nudged me in a slightly different direction last week. So I'm kind of, it may feel like a bit of a tangent for you, but stick with it, you know, it's a bit of a roller coaster. But I want you to actually ask this question, why are you here today? Okay, you've got two seconds to think about that, because you're now going to tell somebody next to your neighbor or to somebody around the room, why are you here? Why do you come to church on a Sunday? You can be very honest. You may, it may be as simple as, um, my wife said I had to come, or there was, there, there may, it may be, you know, I knew there was food, and, and if I'm honest, you know, I know that Louise gives good food, or whoever's, you know, Emily's got her, is it what I say? It's not the pasta bake, is it? And I think my children are going to be disappointed. But never mind. Um, so, or you, you may have a slightly more spiritual reason, or, or not, I don't know, but just, can you just share amongst yourselves, and then, that means, sorry, I'm talking to one another. There's going to be quite a bit of interaction today, I'm afraid. Great, well, thank you. There's, there are many reasons, and, and thank you for sharing this. I mean, there's no correct answer, really. I mean, we all come to it. I'm sure we all have slightly different reasons why we're here today. And... Um, I'm going to pick up on Keith. I knew Keith would say that. It's so funny. It's about your, you probably know what I would say. I don't know. Um, but um, Keith mentioned this scripture here in Hebrews. And we've got a Bible here. Hebrews, let's read it. And it's, it's not very long. Hebrews chapter 10. And it says, uh, verse 21, it says, I'll read from verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So basically the message is, we can come, we can draw close to God, we can draw close to one another, so do it, you know, make, take full advantage of it, and when you do so, encourage one another, and encourage them on towards love, and good works. And so that's, I would say that's one reason why we get together, but that's, that's it's a good reason. Uh, and I'm going to focus in on that, encouraging one another, and you, I'm going to see if we can find ways of encouraging one another today. Um, and, and But I'm going to go off on a slight tangent to do that, okay? Is that all right? You're not, okay. Thank you. At least Sheila's okay with that. I'm going to take you right back to before the beginning of time, and tell you that actually that was when the first church happened. Okay, we tend to think of the church starting in just after Jesus died, and then in Acts 
all the sort of disciples got together and kind of think, well, we better sort of we better do church now. <laughs> um, or maybe you think a bit earlier than that, you think, well, the Israelites were kind of like the church. They kind of gathered together and they worshipped in the temple and the synagogue. And that's kind of like church. But I want to take you back before the beginning of time and just consider God, who I mentioned at the beginning of the service, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. A complete mystery. I'm not going to go into this now, but you're just going to have to trust me on this. That, that is who God is. He, he, he identifies himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's like, even before time began, God gathered. God got together. You know? So, you know, we weren't the first ones to think of it. <laughs> you know? It wasn't kind of our idea to do church. But actually, right before the beginning, there was this gathering of God in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And between them, there was that love and flow of encouragement and good works. I wonder whether, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to God, Father, go on, let's create something. You know, and they're encouraging one another. Go on, let's do something. Let's, let's you know, just let's just create the un- a universe or something. And you know, and that's I don't know. I'm, I'm making that bit up. I don't know how it happened, but um, you know. But there was just that community going on within God before even time existed. So this isn't just something that happens on Sunday with God. This has just been going on since before the beginning. A gathering of fellowship and love and community in God Himself. And then you read in Genesis, so then God does create, and one he creates, if you're in it in Genesis, right the first chapter of the Bible, it says in Genesis chapter one, it says, And God said, and this is this will blows my mind, let us make God in our image after our likeness. We are made in the likeness of a communal God. And so to gather not to live in isolation, but to gather together, to live in community. Some of the, a bit like Emma was saying, you know, this is family. I, I kind of, we're, well, we're not family, all right? I'm not Emma's sister in the sense that, you know, Margaret and Keith aren't my mum and dad um, in the natural sense. But we are family because Keith and Margaret are like my mum and dad, and Emma is like my sister. So there is that family, and we are not called to live in community. I, I, I know it's a command and you describe it as a command, but it's almost like the command is almost common sense because if you don't, you're not being like how you were created to be because we're created in the image of a community God. Oh, can we do questions at the end? Do you remember it? Because I'm in a bit of a flow here. Can you ask me at the end? Right. Um, and, and so when we gather together, it's almost like we're being true to who we're supposed to be. We're not created to be live on our own. I mean, if I'm honest, sometimes I enjoy a bit of time on my own. On my sabbatical, I had two four-day periods at the beginning and the end where I had time on it. It was bliss. Me, my Bible, my computer, my tutor. That, to me, is like a good holiday. But then by the end of the four days, I started to crave. In fact, by the end of the, 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 my sabbatical, after 10 weeks, I, I remember I just missed this. And I remember saying to Keith, I just, I remember saying, I saw his face, and I thought, I haven't seen Keith's face for 10 weeks. And it brought joy to my heart just to see his, his little beard, <laughs> you know, his face, the whole thing, because I hadn't seen it, you know? Because actually we're created to be in, a, in the image of a communal God, and we're created to be with one another. We're created in God's image. 
Now that image in us has become tarnished and covered and obscured through sin, and that's what sin does. It causes us to hide. You know, Adam and Eve, they hid, didn't they? They hid in the, in the, um, in the trees or whatever it was, and, and then God has to make them clothed because they realize they're naked, and th- there's a hiddenness that comes with sin. And we become dis- disconnected from one another. You know, once sin entered the world in the story, you know that Adam and Eve, their children, started to fight and kill each other, and it just starts to go pear-shaped, doesn't it? And we start to take on false identities, we hide behind masks and facades, and we and we, we have a, a persona that we try and put across, but actually the, it's masking, a lot of that is masking the, the real image of God in us. And it can be the sins we commit, it can be the sins that others commit around us, it can be the sin of the world, um, but in all those things it brings a covering of God's image in us. And so Whilst we are made in God's image, it's a bit of a dim reflection sometimes nowadays. And, and for many people, the idea that God's image is in us, was that idea was lost a long time ago. I don't know whether it's something you think about in this lot. It's something I'm becoming more and more aware of. But for some people, the idea that we're made in God's image is lost uh, or hidden. Um, for some people, maybe it's generations since... Um, that was known in their family, that they were made in God's image. And I think the world we live in needs re-envisioning in the idea that we are made in God's image. We're made in God's image. And then, carry on in the story. I'm cutting quite a few chapters out of the Bible now. We start in Genesis 1, we move on, and then Jesus enters the world. Son of the Father. That's what his baptism, doesn't it? God says to him, this is my son, whom I love. And then he's full of the Spirit. So we have the, the Trinity again. And in Colossians 1, it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And so in Jesus, we see God fully. Yeah? But the, in doing so, we also see in Jesus, because I think some people get this idea, well, Jesus is fully God, but he's fully human. How does that work? Well, actually, if you think about it, the most fully human person is one made in the image of God. So the image of God is the most fully person, the fully human person, and the most godlike person. Does that make sense? In the same kind of way. It's just crazy. That's how, why Jesus is so amazing. And so actually, as he is the image of the invisible God, he's also the most fully human person you'll ever see the clearest and most pure image of God. And so, if you want to have a vision of what God's like, look to Jesus. And so I spent some time this week just thinking on who, the characteristics, if you like, of Jesus, his, who he is, just a glimpse on the image of God and um, to look fully on who, what a, a fully human person looks like. And, and this is a kind of little glimpse because this is only what I came up with in about 20 minutes. But do you mind doing the, the PowerPoint now? Magic now. Here's my little uh, um, twist again. There we go. Can you see that? Oh, okay, I like it. Those are just a few words that I came up with to describe. Can you see it right? The, the Jesus is the image of God. I'll, I'll leave that there and we'll come back to it. Because I think this um, image and the vision of who who Jesus is, should shape our idea 
of what being Christian is all about. We've got salvation, we talk about salvation and redemption, sanctification, all these things. And, but a, a lot of it, a lot of our journey as a Christian is to, to journey into growing into the image of God's likeness, who we are created to be, and we see that in Jesus. So Christianity is actually a journey to being more fully human. I think sometimes we talk about being good Christians, as if we need to keep the rules and do tick all the boxes and, and come to church on a Sunday because that's what we're supposed to. But actually, yes, and actually those things are part of becoming more fully human. I'll read you another passage from Colossians. It says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in your life, the, the, the life you once lived. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We are being renewed in that image. And so following Jesus, we're called to be disciples, not just to be Christians. You've got, you know, like as it's like a badge, it's like I'm a Christian, and then that's it. But we are disciples, we follow in Jesus' way, and as we follow in Jesus' way, we put off the old, and we put on a new image which is actually being renewed in the image we're supposed to be in the first, which is in the image of the Creator. So to be a Christian is to be growing in the fullness of what it is to be a human being. And I was thinking about it. It's like, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's it's like the Holy Spirit takes a lump of wood and starts chipping away because the Holy Spirit knows that inside there we can sculpt it. You know, that's what that wood was there for in the first place. So chipping away at it to, to get the, the sculpture inside. Or it's like the Holy Spirit who gets a, a, an old past, master of a painting, but it's all filthy and grubby, and he's gradually scraping away the, the oil and the muck and the grease and the grime that's got on it. And then you, you know, you've ever seen those pictures that have been restored? Is it a cat in the attic thing? You know, you know when you use it all. And then they restore it because somebody's been smoking in the house for the last 50 years or something. And then you, it was yellow, and then all this colour comes out. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us as we're renewed in the image of the Creator. For in my mind, the image I have best is because I, I follow these forums on the internet, um, uh, Huber forums, about my, my vice, if you like. And, and you see sometimes these pictures, these battered up old instruments, you know, they're dense and the valves don't work and they're just completely tarnished. And, and then somebody, I don't know how they do it, they take that and then they restore it. They knock out the dent and they, they polish it up and they get the valves working. And, and you see this instrument that's like it's like new again. And that's what God does to us because he, he, just, he sees how we're supposed to be. And he restores us into that image of who we're supposed to be, which is to be fully human in the image of God, made in the image of God. Second Corinthians, there's a few verses here. I can write them down for you later if you want, but 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. So the idea is as we draw close to God, as we 
And some number of us would say, well, I come to church to worship effectively, but as we come to, to draw close to God and we gather together, we look upon Jesus and we're transformed in his image, bit by bit. It doesn't happen just overnight. Okay, this, this is a, it's an ongoing thing that, that happens in us with increasing glory, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. And I have a vision of church where all these chairs are put out. And as we gather together on a Sunday, that on every chair there's, a, there's, there's an image of God. There's glory of being radiated from each chair because as we get together, we go, ah, there's the image of God. Ah, there's the image of God. There's the characteristic of God. There's the power of God at work. Just people being people, as they're supposed to be. Just people being human, in the ima- made in the image of God. Because when church gathers together, we have this unique moment of interaction where many people who are on this journey of being transformed get together. And the more we get together and the more we journey on that journey, we look around and say, ah, I feel that bit of God there and there's a bit of God here and there's a bit of God there and, and ah, this encourages me because I hadn't realised that Jesus was quite like that. Or I hadn't known that Jesus could do that. Or I hadn't... I think Jesus is even moving and so, just great to share these testimonies today. So, yeah, I can see God changing people in His likeness. I didn't know Daniel was going to say that, what he was saying, but I think, and some of these things are hard. You know, it's up there, there is suffering. Yeah? Uh, sorrowful. You know, don't like to say it, guys, but, um, you know, sometimes some of the things that Daniel encounters is actually learning some of the characteristics of Jesus himself and growing in them ourselves. Because if Daniel kind of goes along to these sort of chapters and goes, yeah, all right, just tell us your story, right, right, all down, yeah, all right, well, we'll sort you out, see you in three weeks, you know, and that's, that's not the image of God. But when Daniel gets there and starts inside, starts to mourn and grieve because of the situation, that's God working in him. And that's God working in us as well. When he tells us the story and I'm getting you know, moved by it, you know, that's God working in us and he's changing us into his image because actually God is an emotional God. British and we don't like to be emotional necessarily, but I'm afraid that's, that's the way it is, you know. Anyway, we gather together many living temples of the Holy Spirit. God restoring each one of us more into his likeness, more working and, and it should be exciting when we gather together. It should be electric, it should be dynamic, it should be explosive because we're looking at ourselves, here's the image of God appearing more and more in that person. Here's the image of God here. But I don't know about you, but sometimes church doesn't seem like that all the time. If I look up and I think, oh actually peacefully it is the same as it was last week. It seems to be very well maintained actually. Um, you know, and you think to yourself, well, actually I don't know whether I have seen much change. And it's a bit like you know, with your own kids, you watch them and you think, oh, I don't know whether they're growing. And then Auntie, Auntie Maud comes along and goes, oh, haven't you grown? Because I haven't seen them for six months, you know, and, and of course they've grown. But we, sometimes maybe we meet too often. I'm not saying it's necessary. But I want to encourage you because the thing is, Auntie Maud does see the growth. Because the growth is and every week when we gather, we need to remember that actually God is working in all of us, transforming each one of us. 
and we need to learn to look for it and we need to learn to celebrate it and we need to see it in one another and identify it and, identify it and say, yeah, I'm going to rejoice in it because I can see God is working in me and he's bringing his image out in me more and more. He's chipping away at that piece of wood and I can see, I can see it now. I can see more of his image in me. One of my favourite scriptures again in Second Corinthians says, Do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Ongoing process. Church is a living organism where people are being transformed with ever-increasing glory into the knowledge and the image of our Creator. And one of the beautiful things that I love about church, I mean, I, I do love about it, but it also bothers me, because it's challenging, is that church brings together all kinds of different people. I think I've said this before, but if I'm honest, I look around, I don't think there's anybody really here that I'd necessarily be hanging out with if it wasn't for church, <laughs> you know, because we're all so diverse, you know. I don't really have an interest in model railways, so I'm not, I probably wouldn't have, yeah, exactly, be qualified now, you know. It, it, I'm not sure that you are particularly into sort of funky tuba jazz, so you probably wouldn't be hanging out with me, you know, I mean, because that's just... Our natural tendencies are, well, our maybe unnatural tendencies. But church brings us together. Different interests, different personalities, different temperaments, characteristics, talents, gifts, abilities, ages. I love that about church. Normally we tend to just hang out with our own age group, don't we? But I just love the fact that we've got all kinds of age groups here. Social statuses, backgrounds, all united in Christ. All have an equal place. But it's also challenging because we're called to love people who are different to ourselves. People who we might find a bit awkward. People we might find a bit difficult. People we might find a bit annoying. This is family again. It comes back to anything about family, actually. I didn't realise how family orientated it is. But I don't know if you notice with family, but sometimes we don't always get on, do we? Ha! Ah. <laughs> you have sisters and brothers. Yes, okay. Yeah, sometimes we have a little bit, oh, why do they keep doing that? Why do they keep that, that same thing over and over again. Um, you know. And I, I want you to consider Jesus. And this, as I mentioned in communion, I find Jesus very frustrating sometimes. I find Jesus quite annoying sometimes. I find him very difficult. You know, Jesus, uh, unpredictable. Top right, can you see that? Unpredictable. Would you say Jesus is unpredictable? You know, I mean, if, if you read some of those stories, if I was one of the disciples, you'd be like, what? You're going to do what? You know, he sort of, he says, because um, he knows they want to kill him in a certain area, I think Judea or wherever, he says, oh, I'm going to go and go to Judea. What? You know, or, or then he was sort of, uh, he's on his way to, somebody's called him to help heal somebody, and he just suddenly stops because a woman has touched him. What? This is unpredictable. I, I like certainty, I don't know about you, um, but this part of Jesus really grates on me. Lu- Louise, however, loves that kind of thing. She loves unpredictability. <laughs> I think, you know, so she thrives on that kind of thing. But I, I like certainty. So that kind of thing about Jesus, that, that bothers me. Jesus is confrontational, isn't he? You know, when he sees the Pharisees doing stuff that they shouldn't be doing, he, he calls them out on it. I don't know about you, but I like to just keep being keep peace, you know, generally. Um, Jesus is very gracious. Uh, and I am very judgmental, if I'm honest. Very sarcastic and um, superior. And my sarcasm is a superior sarcasm. I had this incident yesterday. I was in Aldi. Have you been in Aldi in Turkey? You put your registration now or not? 
on, have you done this? The British Registration Car Registration, because they've got cameras and you can get by. And I tapped, the first time I used it, tapped the screen, nothing happened. Well, I thought nothing happened. This guy literally physically shoved me out of the way. And I, I said, oh, I'm sorry, was I in your way? And he went, yes. <laughs> and then I continued to be sarcastic, because I was judging this guy. I mean, he wasn't very nice, but I was judging him. guy. But Jesus is gracious. Ah, if I was like Jesus, there would have been grace poured out there, and he probably would have converted him there and then. That's irritating, isn't it? You know, Jesus is irritating. And I think as a re- uh, what we do is we keep, with those parts of Jesus, we keep those at a safe distance. Alright? But we keep those as the words on the page. Those bits of Jesus. I know that about Jesus, but I can close the book. <laughs> and I can put him on the shelf, and I can carry on in my just keep things as they are. Um, or or we, we put Jesus like a, a lucky charm. You know, I know Jesus loves me as I am. As I am, he loves me. That's good. So I'm not going to change because he loves me as I am. Hmm. Or, or we keep him to a Sunday service and we leave him there and then come day, Monday morning we think, right, I've done church now so I can, I've got six days now where I can just be me and then I'll, I'll meet with those guys again on Sunday morning. But if, if that's how I treat Jesus, then I'm not going to be transformed very much in his likeness. I'm not going to be contemplating his glory and thinking, oh, I mean, that's to transform me into being more fully human. And it easily happens when, we, when we're alone and we're not gathered. And, and isolation is it, a vicious circle. It makes us spiral out of control. But when we're gathered together with other believers, with other Christians, people whose lives are being transformed, when we bump into the characteristics of Jesus, the, the easy ones and the not-so-easy ones for us, then we start to be transformed more into his image. You see, when we gather in community, your joy confronts me with Jesus' joy. Even if it's just a little bit of joy that you have, it confronts me with Jesus' joy. When we gather in community, your sorrow confronts me with Jesus' sorrow. When we gather in community, your faithfulness confronts me with Jesus' faithfulness. Your faith confronts me with Jesus' faith. See, when we gather together, the image of Christ is being revealed in each one of us, bit by bit. And then that encourages us to grow more ourselves. And hopefully you'll see that most in church, because that's where most is happening. And life is exciting when we consider that because it means every interaction with every human being, particularly at church, but every human being as well, means we, are, we have the opportunity to meet with Jesus every time we have a conversation with someone. Because it doesn't stop here, actually. It does go beyond. It does go beyond into the world outside. And it's learning to recognize Jesus. The image of God in everyone created to him in his image. Mother Teresa says this, and I mean, she was an incredible lady, but she, she said this, seeing Christ, she, she saw Christ in the Eucharist, and that enabled her to see him in the streets. She said, if we recognize Jesus under the appearance of bread, she explained, we will have no difficulty recognizing him in the disguise of the suffering poor. This is why Mother Teresa could say, I have an opportunity to be with Jesus 24 hours a day, 
whether in the chapel or in the slum, the pew or the hospital. She recognized the Lord everywhere she went because she trained herself each morning at the altar. I see Jesus in every human being. I say to myself, this is hungry Jesus. I must feed him. This is sick Jesus. This one has leprosy or gangrene. I must wash him and tend to him. I serve because I love Jesus. Amazing. So why do we gather? Well, one reason, and there's probably many reasons we could give why we gather, but to encourage one another. Yeah? And so I want us to learn to the practice of encouraging one another by saying, I see the characteristics of Jesus growing in you. That when we gather together, we speak out and say, I see the image of God in you. And so I want to finish. I'm not going to pray to finish with today. Controversial. I'm going to get you to do something. I want you to find somebody, maybe somebody you didn't come to church with. If you came on your own, that's easy. Um, and I want you just to take a moment, and this, is, this will be difficult for some people, but I want you to just take a moment just to look at the person that you paired up with. Um, if, you, if you can, take the opportunity just to look them in the face. And consider what you know about that person. Now, maybe they're a stranger to you, so that maybe you just do need to focus on their face or something. And take a minute and then just tell them where you see the image of Jesus in you. It doesn't have to be a long explanation. It can just be, I see faithfulness in you. Or I see joy in you. Or, easy one, anyone get Daniel? I see sorrow in you. Yeah, okay. uh, let's just say now, if you meet Daniel, you, you, uh, you can't say that one. Um, I said it. Um, and encourage one another in knowing that each one of us has the image of God in us. And in doing so, let's speak out because I think sometimes we need to encourage these things because people don't realise. Oh, really? You see that in me? And, and it's like when I tell Louise that she looks good in a particular outfit, she kind of yeah, right. You're just saying that because you're my husband and you know what to say. And I mean it. And it's like, it's like say it comes, takes, takes a drip, drip effect of trying to sort of like, no, actually, I do mean this. And then the more I seem to say it, the more sarcastic it sounds for some reason. I don't know. I need to work on the sarcastic bit. Um, or not. But, you know, we need to re- learn how to, to better speak to one another in a way that, and, and learn to receive that this is bringing intelligence. Yeah? Because this is hard work here before lunch. So we've got maybe five minutes to do this. So can we do that? Can we just pair up? Does, that, does everyone understand what I want you to do? Yeah? It means we've got to, we've got to be honest. You know, be encouraging, all right? If, you've, if you're stuck, look at something up here that, you know, um, um, if you do see pain and sorrow, you might want to encourage them with something else as well you see. <laughs> you know, but let's try and be encouraging. But, but actually... In growing in that pain and suffering, we, we do see the image of God. And let's see if we can do this without laughing too much. But I mean, have joy, but don't necessarily think, oh, I don't know what to do now, I'm, gonna, I'm embarrassed. So I, I see people staring at each other already, this is great. And then we'll have lunch. Bless you.